living miracle. Uh, anybody who knows me around here knows that I spent most of my adult life in bondage to drugs and alcohol. I came to Christ in October 1995 and I had reached a low point in my life um, and uh, I was really in a hopeless state and uh, had lost everything for like the third time in my life. Um, and so I reached out, uh, I started dialing churches and I found a, uh, a non-denominational church in Pleasanton, California, uh, uh, Valley Bible at the Crossroads. And I met with a senior pastor uh, and he invited me into his home. And uh, he began to uh, disciple me uh, personally. Uh, and um, he's a compelling character in that he was a graduate of MIT, uh, a professor of MIT and one of the world's leading researchers in his field. And he gave all that up to follow Christ. And a scientific mind that could grasp uh, Christ was really compelling to me. And I was able to have a safe and trusted environment where I could ask him any questions about God and he had great answers that were credible to me. And uh, in October of uh, 1995, I got on my knees and gave my life to Christ. God shines through me in this uh, specific area. God has called me to work with other men who have uh, similar challenges that I have overcome. And so quietly and anonymously, I work with um, men who are in hopeless states. Um, they are in uh, places where they're about to lose their families. Uh, they uh, are unable to manage their lives. And God has used me not to fix them, but to share my experience, strength, and hope in ways to encourage him to change. All along, I have felt his presence, his answers to prayer, uh, the people that he's brought into my life. Uh, I have felt uh, and believe that I, I am favored. Um, I've gone from homelessness to you know having um, a wonderful life, a wonderful family, a wonderful home, a wonderful community. Uh, I've worked in some of the most challenging times in our country's history, and I just feel very blessed and very loved by God. Um, and uh, it's been a very unimaginable experience to go from hopelessness to such incredible hope and restoration in my life. That was uh, Jeff, an incredible story of how the Lord changed his life. All throughout this series, uh, we're just throwing some of our people behind a camera and letting them share a little bit of how the Lord Jesus Christ has been working in their lives. You can go onto our website, and uh, we have a little banner there you can click on, and you can see all of the testimonies. Uh, Saturday, I went on there and literally just took some time, and I watched them all, all that we've shown you thus far. And I'll tell you what, I don't care what kind of day you're having. When you just watch these stories and listen to these stories of how Jesus Christ has transformed a life, I'll, I'll tell you, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Well, hey, I want to welcome those of you that are uh, over in the venue. And I was over there, man, great worship. Thank you, Chad and Stephen, for leading the folks over there. And 
And for those of you that are listening on uh, our, our broadcast, uh, we have hundreds of people that listen live uh, through the internet, and if you're ever away, you can always go on there. Everybody pull out this little note sheet, whether you're over in the venue or in here, and if you're listening online, uh, we actually put this little uh, note thing on the internet on Friday, and you can download it, and you can follow along. All the verses that I'm going to talk about are in here. They'll also be up on the jumbotrons because we want you to see the Word of God for, uh, for yourself. If you are visiting with us, I just want to welcome you. You're, man, we, you're welcome here anytime. We just consider ourselves a big family here, and this is kind of like our living room, and we've just gathered together to, to worship the Lord together. We're glad you're with us. We're in a, a series here at Big Valley Grace called Shining Like the Stars, where we're going through the, the book of Philippians together. And I shared with you that, in my opinion, the, the key to understanding why Paul wrote this letter or this book is found in chapter 2. Paul says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights. One version says, shining like the stars in the universe in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Beloved, this was the goal of the letter. Paul was writing to these believers at this church in Philippi, and he was encouraging them to live God-honoring lives. He was telling them to, to, to live like bright, shining lights in this dark and crummy world that we live in. Jesus basically said the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Beloved, the world's a, a dark place, and when you shine for God, people notice. It brings glory to his name. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. And this is the, the question that we're going to deal with today, and that's this. It's a question that believers have debated throughout the centuries, and it's this. After you've given your life to Jesus Christ, after you've asked Christ to come into your life and cleanse you of your sins, how does life transformation happen? How does someone go from being a, a, a new believer to being a mature believer? How does someone, you know, go from having their life snuffed out because of sin to being somebody that shines brightly for him? How does, how does that happen? Paul said in 2 Timothy, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've remained faithful. I, I, I've been a, a bright, shining light for God. How did that happen? How did... Paul remained faithful. Did, did, did God just do it? Did God just throw some pixie dust on Paul and, and Paul just lived that way and, and you know, finally you know, went to meet Jesus that way? Is that how it happened? Was it, was it all God or was Paul responsible for his own spiritual maturity? 2 Chronicles chapter 16 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
How did that happen? How, how does someone become fully committed to God? Is it all God? Does God just do it? Does God just, you know, pick some people out and say, okay, you're going to be fully committed, and, and you'll be fully committed, and you'll be fully committed, and the rest of you, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Or do we have a role to play in shining brightly for, for him? When someone says, Jesus changed my life, like all of these testimonies we've been watching, You've heard someone say, you know, Jesus Christ changed my life. What, what does that mean? Did Jesus just do it? Or does, you know, he come into your life and then he sits on the sidelines like a cheerleader, you know, cheering you on kind of a thing. Go, man, come on, shine brightly for me. You can do it, I know you can. Well, this is what Paul, I think, deals with in our text today, just these two verses, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2, okay? You can look in your notes, your Bibles, or look at it on the jumbotrons. Paul says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep, deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Beloved, when it comes to your spiritual growth, when it comes to, to shining brightly for God, the fact is God has a part to play in your maturing process, and you have a part to play. There is a, a, um, a partnership, if you will, between you and God that goes on. And we see this partnership in these two verses. Paul says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, for God is working in you. And you ought to underline or circle those two words, whether it be in your Bible or in your notes, those two words, working hard, and those two words, working in. Working hard is your part, Christian. If you name the name of Christ, if you claim to be a believer, if you're a follower of the Lord, your part is to work hard. Working in is God's part. I know this doesn't say work hard for your salvation. It doesn't say that. It says work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to live a God-honoring life. Work hard to shine brightly. Work hard to, to live a life that brings honor and glory to God, that people would see your good deeds kind of a thing. You have to work hard at it. Beloved, these, you know, the, 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 the people that received this letter from Paul were already saved. They'd already asked Jesus to come into their lives. What, what Paul is telling them was that they had a role to play in their spiritual development. They needed to work hard to develop what God had already began in them. In fact, you can think of it this way. When you go to a health club and you work out physically, are you working out physically to get a body or are you working out physically to develop the body you already have? Well, it's obvious. You don't go to a health club to get a body. You don't work hard, you know, pumping weights and doing the elliptical or whatever to get a body. You already have one. You're working hard to develop the body you have. 
When you work out a puzzle, you already have all the pieces, right? You just have to work hard putting them together. When a farmer works the ground, he's cultivating it. He doesn't have to create the land. The land's already there. He just has to work the land that's already there. This is what Paul's saying. He's not telling these, these Christians here that they've got to somehow create the light within them. They already had the light within them. What Paul is telling them is that they had a role to play in causing the light within them to shine. God has put his light within us, Christian. It's there. And we can live in ways that just snuff it out. We can live in ways that, you know, don't bring honor and glory to God. We can live in ways that actually, you know, somehow, you know, drag the, 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 you know, drags the name of Christ through the mud. And in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a few things that we can all do to work hard that will help us grow spiritually, that will develop our spiritual muscle, that will help us shine brighter for God. But first, I want to talk about God's part, okay? Because God has a role in this too. Paul says, for God is working in you. Beloved, that word working in the Greek language is the word energize or energizing. And I don't throw out a lot of Greek words. But every so often, I think there are some words in the original language that help us better understand what's being said here. And that word right there, working, in the original language is the word energizing or energize. God is the energizer for change in your life. He's, he's the power source for the light within you. God says, I'll empower you. I'll energize you. I'll give you the power you need to shine brightly for me. You don't have to muster it up. You can't. But I'll be the source of power for you. But, but how does that happen? How does God energize us? What, what's God's part in helping us to shine brightly for him? Well, I'm going to give you a few things just quickly because I want to spend more time on what our part, part is. But number one, God gave you his word to brighten or transform your life. God gave you his word. And I want to begin there. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work or to help us shine brightly for God. Beloved, the Bible changes our thoughts and because it changes our thoughts, it changes us. D.L. Moody said this, the Bible wasn't written to answer your questions. It was written to change your life. Now the Bible will answer lots of your questions. But it wasn't written. God didn't give us this book to somehow answer all of our questions. It was given to us by God that it would change our lives. That we would live God-honoring lives. That, that the light within us would shine brightly to a dark and crummy world we live in, this culture we live in is just crummy. 
So if you want to get serious about change, if you want to shine for God, you, you got to get into the scriptures. You got to spend time reading them. You got to spend time studying the scriptures. You got to spend time memorizing the scriptures. You got to spend time meditating on the scriptures. You got you to enjoy the scriptures. You got you to be committed to living out what you read. Beloved, the more you get the word of God in your life, the more you're going to be changed and the greater you're going to shine for God. I guarantee it. Paul said this in Romans chapter 10. He said, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I had a man come up to me in the Welcome Center a couple weeks ago and he said, Pastor Rick, I don't seem to have much faith anymore. And that probably is true for many of you, whether you're here or whether you're over in the venue or listening somewhere on the internet. There are times in our lives when, you know what, we go, I just, I just don't seem like I got much faith. And I asked this man how much time he spent reading the scriptures, and he was really honest, and he said, you know, Pastor Rick, not much. And I said to him, well, that's part of your problem, because faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of God. If you're not, you know, putting your nose in this book often, let me tell you something, you're not going to shine very brightly for God. That's just, that's just a no-brainer. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, if you've invited Jesus into your life, the one in whom you claim to follow said, look, you don't live on bread alone. That, that'll give you energy for your physical body, but you can eat all the pizza you want and this isn't gonna happen. You can eat all the post toasties you want and this ain't gonna happen. You can be a vegan and that ain't gonna happen. You can be a metasaurus and that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> the only way that happens is when you feed your soul something different. And that's this. That's this. Number two, God gave you his Holy Spirit to brighten or transform your life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Beloved, the, the moment you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you know what he did? He came into your life. He did exactly what you asked him to do. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. One version says, once the Spirit lives within you, he will bring to your whole being new strength and new vitality. Yes, God gave you his word that you would shine brightly, but that wasn't all. He gave you his actual presence. 
He gave you his Holy Spirit. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 15, I pray that God, the, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that's within you, you see. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. Jesus said, when my power comes upon you, it's going to come on you for a reason, that you would be my witnesses, that you would be bright lights for me. Whether it be in your neighborhoods, whether it be with the people you work with or those that are employees of yours, you go to the mall, you go to the grocery store, you go to the coffee shop. Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you could be my witnesses, so that you could shine brightly for, for me. Now, the third thing God gave you was this. God gave you prayer, access to him to brighten or transform your life. Yes, he gave you the Bible, and yes, he put his spirit within you, but then he also gave you the ability to talk with him, pray with him. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Look, before I gave my life to Christ, which was after I got out of high school, <laughs> The last thing I wanted to do was be in God's presence as a non-believer. The last thing I wanted to do was somehow be around God or be around God's people or be in church or whatever. Because I, I, I didn't want to somehow acknowledge the fact that there was a God. In fact, I worked real hard to convince myself there wasn't a God because that gave me peace. Man, if there was a God that I knew that somehow I was subject to him. So the last thing I wanted to do as an unsaved guy was come into the presence of God, and, and yet the Bible says, Rick, look, now that you know Christ, now that Christ came into your life, you now can come boldly to God. You can actually spend time with God in prayer. It's one of the things that God gave us in Matthew chapter 6, it says, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in heaven. Then your Father who sees everything, you know what he'll do? He'll reward you. He'll do something incredible in your life. Beloved, without prayer, without the ability to talk with God and listen to God, I want you to know we're all basically dead in the water. Number four, God gave you circumstances to brighten or transform your life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. It doesn't say that all things are good because obviously there's lots of bad, crummy, evil things that go on in the world. It doesn't say that, that God somehow works them all out the way you want them to. Now it'd be cool if it said that, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say that all things have a happy ending here on planet Earth, because they don't. Oftentimes, things don't 
end happily ever after here on planet Earth. What it says is, is that somehow God is able to take all the circumstances of your life and he's somehow able to work them for good. He's able to take them all and, and use them to help us live God-honoring lives or be bright lights for him. Somehow God takes all the sorrows and the troubles of life, even those things that we bring on, bring on ourselves, he can take them all and he uses them all to help us live that kind of life in this dark and crummy world that, that we live in. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. So God uses painful things. By the way, mom, dad, sometimes it takes something painful in your child's life, doesn't it? to help them refocus. And the same thing is true for us. Sometimes it takes something painful. It takes the circumstances of life or whatever to help kind of reboot us that we might shine brightly for, for God. Now, I wrestled with this fifth, you know, this isn't a comprehensive list and I know I only have so much time. And so this next one, I'm gonna give you one more that I just want you to write down. It made it on the notes, and then it didn't make it on the notes, and I put it on the notes, and I took it off the notes, and, and last night I just made the call to put it on, and so write this down. God gave you this thing called the church to transform your life, brighten your life. Look, this is an amazing thing, the church. Now, I know the world's out there taking shots at it. There are some of you in this room right now that are going, man, I can hardly wait for this thing to end. Just want to get home and watch football. How stupid is this? You guys actually come together and singing songs to God and giving your money away to God and you're, you're, you're listening to this stupid book. I know. I, I used to be you. The Bible says everybody in this room used to be you. But regardless of what you think, this is an amazing moment when God's people all come together and together we worship him through our singing and together we worship him through our giving and together we remember his life and his death and burial and resurrection through communion. When together we, we hear his word proclaimed, when together we pray, together we fellowship. This is an amazing thing. In fact, it's why when we all walk out here in a little bit, most of us are doing that. There's something Unique that happens when the church gathers. And then, then it's, you know, Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Well, you know. Unbelievable how that happens. And, well, you get here on Saturday night or Sunday morning. And that's the way, I think that's what God had planned. He knew how tough life was going to be. He understands that we're but dust. He understands that we're flesh. And he longs for us to, to shine brightly for him, so he, he gave us his word. He put his spirit within us. He gave us the ability to talk with him. He allows circumstances to come into our lives. And then he put us all together in this thing called the church. This holy thing. This is a sacred moment. This is not like a soccer game. This isn't like, you know, I went bowling 
When the church gathers, this is an amazing moment. It's sacred. There's no other time like this. And as good as it is that some of you are listening on the internet right now, and it could be because, you know, you're out of town or you're sick or whatever, it's a good thing. But it doesn't substitute actually being in a local church and actually being around God's people and actually showing up and fellowshipping and just being in the presence of other believers. Makes me sad when I hear people say, well, you know, Charles Stanley's my pastor. I watch him every Sunday. Really? He's your pastor? Well, if you, go, if you were to go into the hospitals, Charles going to get on a flight and get down to Memorial and visit you? Is somebody from his church going to come visit you? Are the elders of his church going to pray over you, anoint you with oil? No. I watch Charles Stanley. Nothing wrong with that. No, I watch guys too. But God wants us to be involved in a local body of believers where we can care for one another, pray for one another, laugh with one another, encourage one another, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. All those one another's that we find in Scripture. So what's your part? Those are God's part, but what's yours? Well, what's your part in, in making sure that you, you know, shine brightly for, for him? Well, let me give you a couple things here. Number one, your part is to set your mind on the right things. Beloved, growth isn't automatic. Yes, God gave you his word, the Bible, to change your life, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't set your mind on it. So what? God gave you the word if you're not reading it. Your part is to read it. Your part is to study it. Your part is to memorize it. Your part is to meditate on it. Your part is to enjoy it. Your part is to live it out. Just because God left it for you doesn't automatically mean that you're going to shine for him. It's when you, 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 you get your nose into it. It's when you set aside time. For some of you, bless your souls, this is it. In a 165 hour a week or whatever it is, this is it. The verses that you're reading in your notes, the verses that you're seeing up there, the verses that I'm reading, the scripture that we made of, might have sang in a song, this is it. And it's why you're gonna leave here doing that. But if you don't have a time set aside every day in the morning, over your coffee or your breakfast, a time in the afternoon, a time in the evening when you're in God's word. It's just a book sitting on your coffee table. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. He said, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
Beloved, that word transform in the Greek is the word metamorphosis. A, a caterpillar metamorphosizes into a butterfly. A, a tadpole metamorphosizes into a frog. This is what happens at the moment you give your life to Christ. A transformation begins. You begin to metamorphosize into something new. God wants to transform you into something that will bring him honor and glory. God wants to metamorphosize you into a bright light for him. Listen, maybe you had a bad past. Maybe your past was crummy. Maybe your dad was just a loser. Maybe your mom was a loser. Maybe your life hasn't been real stellar. Maybe you haven't been the best parent. Maybe you haven't been the best grandparent. Maybe you haven't been the best kid. Maybe you haven't been the best boss, the best employee. Friends, it doesn't matter what you are now because God says, I can metamorphosize your life. I can change you from a lowly caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. I can change you. That is the story of God. It doesn't matter what you are now. It doesn't matter what you have been. God can come into any life and he can begin to transform any life. And one of the great tools that he uses is his word, the scriptures. Let me ask you, how many minutes in a week do you spend in the Bible? Really think about it. Just think about it. Are you involved in our women's Bible studies? Are you involved in our men's Bible studies? Are you involved in one of our small groups? How many minutes do you, do you spend in God's word each week? Listen, this might be the most important you know, question you'll, you'll answer because your answer literally determines what your life is going to be like in the future. Proverbs chapter 4 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You, your, your, your thoughts just don't direct your life. Listen to me. They are your life. If I could see on a giant screen what you typically set your mind on, I can easily tell you what your life is right now or what it's going to be in the future. Just by telling me, just by letting me see what you tend to fill your life with. You fill it with dope and, you know, booze and narcotics. I can tell you what your life is like now, and I can tell you what it's going to be like in the future. You know, we're not building the space shuttle here. God made it simple. He says, hey, you want your life to be transformed? You want your life to be different? You got to spend time in my word. Psalm chapter 1 says this, Oh, the joys of those who uh, uh, don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will never wither, and they prosper in all they do. There's a reason why a, a tree that's next to a river tends to grow like crazy because there's a source of life. And God says that's the same thing with my word. It's a source of life. Paul says in Colossians chapter 6, let the teachings of Christ live in you richly. 
So God gave us his word. Our part is we've got to set our minds on it, right? Number two, your part. Your part is to trust the Lord moment by moment. Beloved, as I said, when you asked Jesus to come into your life, he did. He gave you his Holy Spirit to live within you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the home of the Holy Spirit, who lives within you, who was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God, be a bright light for him with your life. Now, just because God gave you his Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you'll automatically shine for him. Your part is to stay connected to him. And you got to work hard at that. Especially down here on planet Earth. Man, our flesh doesn't want to stay connected to Christ. Our flesh doesn't want to, you know, dwell on, on, on Scripture. Our flesh is always just dragging us you know, from, from this to that. So we have to really, you know, work hard at trusting in the Lord moment by moment. Beloved, we live in a time when you can walk out at the mall. And at the mall, there is a ginormous pornographic photograph up. Pornographic. They call them Victoria's Secret models. So I bring my young eight-year-old boy out there. We're walking around the mall, and here's, not, not an eight by ten, a ginormous picture of a half-naked lady in bras and panties. That's the kind of culture you live in. And it's okay. And man, you could be out there, whoa, you're a bright light. Whoa, look at that. And all of a sudden... Unbelievable. Whoa, 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 that's unbelievable. And there's my young boy who's being sexualized by our culture. This is a crummy, crummy culture. And God says, look, that's what I need. I need my people to shine brightly in this culture because it is so messed up. It is so perverted. It's not easy to stay connected. It's not easy. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The reason why Paul prays that for us is because I don't think at times we as believers understand that power that's within us. The very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, Christian. That's power. But it's obvious, since we don't always do this, that we get disconnected from the power source. But if you want to shine brightly, you got to work hard to trust the Lord moment by moment. Isaiah chapter 40 said this, says this, Isaiah said this, he, God, gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. 
It's those who really trust in the Lord. Now, once again, God's power isn't automatic. You got, you got to really trust. And that, that's hard work. Jesus gives us a beautiful illustration of this in John chapter 15. Jesus said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me and is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and they're burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Beloved, a branch is totally dependent upon the vine. And when it's Cut off from the vine, it just doesn't bear any grapes or figs or whatever. A branch can't produce fruit by itself. It's got to stay connected, and the same thing is true for you. Jesus gives us a, 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 just a simple illustration that we can all l learn from. So how do you know if you're depending on God's Spirit or not? Well, this brings us to number three. Your part is to spend time talking with the Lord. And I want you to also write down listening to the Lord. Yes, God gave you the ability to access him. Prayer. But it doesn't do any good if you're not talking with him. <laughs> if you're not listening to him. Look, if you want to know whether or not you're trusting in the Lord moment by moment, simply check your prayer life. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 26, he said, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the Spirit is willing, yes, when you invited Christ into your life, the Spirit wants to shine for God. Hey, but the body's weak. The flesh is weak. Yes, the Spirit within you wants to shine, no doubt about it. But Wow. We got this thing called the old man, the old nature, the sinful nature. And when we give in to temptation, boy, nothing snuffs out the light like sin, right? And somehow Jesus says prayer is connected to that. That when you pray, when you spend time with the Lord and, and listening to him and, and, and talking with him, somehow that helps us not fall into temptation. There, there's something powerful that takes place when God is able to communicate to you through prayer. Dr. Luke gives us a, a really interesting piece of information about what took place while Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22. It says this, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went to, went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told his disciples, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Then it says that he walked about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. A very familiar text. Here's this moment where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And he knows he's hours away of, of hanging on a cross, taking upon my sin. But not just my sin, your sin. He is just hours away of taking on the sin of the world. And here he is in his humanity, and he's in the garden, and he's praying, and it's an agonizing time. In fact, the Bible says it was such an agonizing time that somehow the capillaries in his, in his, in his skin blew. And now he's actually sweating blood. Imagine what his face must have looked like. He knows this crummy moment is coming. And he's saying, oh God, Father, please, if there's any other way we can pull off this redemption thing, if there's any way, you know, any other way we can save countrymen down there, other than me going to a cross and taking on his sin, I'm all for that. But I don't want my will to be done. I want yours. Now you've got the Father and the Holy Spirit. There they are. The Son's down here. And the Father's watching this moment go down. <laughs> he's looking at his Son in the garden and he's looking at the agony that he's going through. And look at the next verse. Verse 43 says, Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. I want you to know I've read that story I can't even tell you how many times and I just never noticed that. The father must have looked at the Holy Spirit and saw his son in prayer in agony. And he said, look, he grabs an angel and he says, you go down and you minister to my son. Go. You strengthen my son. You encourage my son. Now, he was God. But he was also man. And in his humanity, it was in this moment of prayer that the father sees his son and he dispatches an angel down to minister to him. And let me tell you something. I think God does that when we pray. I have had times of prayer, and I'll bet you if you think back to this, times when you have been with the Father and you're agonizing over something. Maybe you're praying for your teenager. Nothing will get you on your knees like your teenagers, right? And for some of you that are teenagers, nothing will get you on your knees like your parents. But there are these moments when, when you're just agonizing. Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's about something that's going on. And, and like Jesus, you're just, you're just wrestling with God, and there you are. And, and we've had those moments when we're done praying, and there's a peace in the midst of the storm, huh? The storm's still raging, but there's a peace. Somehow you're able to just get on with life. And I think just like here in Luke chapter 22, the father dispatched an angel to his son, I think oftentimes God dispatches an angel into our lives to minister to us. And that's what we sense when we come out of our prayer times and we just have a peace about us. Even though the storm's still going on. I mean, everything's still crazy, right? You just go, hey, okay. Yes, God gave you the ability to access him through prayer, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't pray. Number four, 
Your part is to respond correctly to the circumstances that God allows. Our brother James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You'll shine. One version says, when all kinds of trials crowd into your lives, don't resent them as an intruder, but welcome them as a friend. Realize that they've come to test your faith and produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you become people of mature character, people of integrity with no weak spots. You see, God allows, God gives us circumstances to help us mature and grow, but it doesn't mean anything if we don't respond correctly to those circumstances. Look, you can't, you can't choose what's going to happen to you in an hour or in a week or in a month or a year. You have no control over that. But what you do have control over is how you're going to respond to those circumstances. Whether you're going to allow it to, to break you or make you. Whether you're going to allow those circumstances to make you bitter or make you better whether you're going to allow those circumstances to be a stepping stone to maturity or whether it's going to be a stumbling block in your life. You get to make that call. It's your choice. We've all seen people put in the same bad situation, right? And one comes out a winner. And one comes out a whiner. <laughs> Unbelievable. One gripes and complains about their circumstances and the other turns it into a gold mine. They shine for God. One made the choice to believe that God was at work in their lives and one made the choice to believe that God wasn't at work, that somehow God had abandoned them or whatever. Listen, what happens to you isn't the most important thing in your life. What happens to you? That's not the most important thing in life. What happens in you is what's the most important thing in life. We're all worried about what's happening out here to us. The most important thing is what's going on within us. And if we don't respond correctly to the circumstances of life, you know, I don't know, I, I guess we're, you know, I can be here. God says, no, 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 no. I, I gave you these circumstances because I'm molding you and shaping you into the people you, you know, I, I want you to be. I want you to be a bright light for me, and I'm using these things. Beloved, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, God created human beings in his own image. He created you in his image. 
Whales weren't created in the image of God. Porcupines weren't created in the image of God. Mosquitoes were not created in the image of God. But we as human beings were. We were created in the very image of God. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it messed up the image. Adam and Eve were two bright, shining lights. And when they chose to to believe Satan and sinned, it snuffed out the light. But it just didn't snuff out the light in Adam and Eve's life. The Bible says we all became sinners because of that. All of us had our lives snuffed out the lights within us. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3, God has been in the business, if you will, of transforming us back into the image of God. He's, he's been at work helping us to shine brightly, to get our lights to shine because sin had snuffed them out. Listen, God wants to, to change your life. He wants you to shine for him, but you've got a role to play. And let me tell you something. For some of you, it just begins by receiving him into your life. That's the starting point. Some of you have never done that. Whether you're in this room, or you're over in the venue, or listening on the internet, some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Never. Which means you can never shine. Never. It all begins with inviting Christ into your life. God longs for us all to, to shine. And in just a moment, whether it be in our altar room over here or our altar room over in the uh, venue, you could go in and say, I need to give my life to Christ. I want Jesus Christ to come into my life and cleanse me of my sin. I want my life to be used for God's purposes, God's glory. But it could be that you're here and you're going, you know what? I, none of us are going to be like that for all the time. We can't, you know. We're just human, humans. We can't always be there. Some of you came in and you're like this. And, you know, some of you are like this. I'm like that sometimes. Dude, I can be like that, like one hour, up, boom, up, and up. Isn't it weird? Now, that's the goal. That's the standard. That's what God longs for. And it could be that you're here and and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't get my nose in the Word of God very often. You could go into the altar room, and our pastors and our elders are there, and we'd love to pray for you. And just because we're pastors and elders, we're not always like this, trust me. We're human, and there are times, we, we get it. We, we, we've been there. We've all been there. But maybe we could pray for you. Our altar room has been packed this weekend. Maybe you're there, and you haven't been trusted in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just haven't really developed a great prayer life. Let us pray for you in that area. Maybe the circumstances of, of life have just, you know, basically snuffed out your light, and you haven't been responding correctly. Go in there and let us pray with you. Let us partner with you. Let us link arms with you. That's what the church is about. And we can help you. Maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I haven't been in church in months. And you need to start coming back and saying, I'm making a commitment to this. Let us pray with you. There's something amazing happens with prayer, and that's what the altar room is for. So you can run out of here and 
get to lunch or whatever, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to take a minute, maybe grab your spouse, I don't know, and say, let's go in and let the elders of, our, of the church pray for us. And who knows how that might make a difference in, in, in your life. Why don't you close your eyes for just a moment. I don't know what it is that, that God's leading you to do. But I believe that God is speaking to some of you right now, whether it's on the internet or over there in the venue or in here. I know it. You heard from the Lord. And you know exactly why you're not shining real bright right now. And some of you just need to repent of your sin, turn back to the Lord, and begin to work hard in some of these areas. you might be a great tool in God's hands.